Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, wait upon the Lord with joy, with rejoicing. The waiting and joy sometimes seem to be opposites, don't they? We seem to hate waiting for things, especially this time of year. I think my wife is getting tired of me asking if we can just open up a few presents early. I have a hard time waiting. But today we see Elizabeth and Mary wait for the Lord with joy. Why? How? Well, the reason they're able to wait for the Lord with joy is because it's just like the prophets. And when they heard a word from the Lord, it's as if it has already happened. Because God is faithful to all of his promises. When God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. So we can have joy as we wait, knowing that the Lord will fulfill all that he says will happen. It's like we have as our theme verse written uh, in the bulletin from Isaiah 25, verse 9. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Isaiah is talking about Christ. Already waiting for that with joy, knowing the Savior would come, knowing that God would be faithful. And the very same thing is true for us as well. We can wait for the Lord with joy, with rejoicing, because we know that God is always going to be faithful for us providing for us and giving us everything that he says he will give to us. And so our text for tonight picks up with Elizabeth and Mary waiting with rejoicing. We're told that in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. She was going to see family. Elizabeth was her cousin. But when Elizabeth hears the greeting of Mary, the baby leaps in her womb. Now, babies kicking and poking, moving around in the womb is not unusual. But leaping for joy is. Elizabeth is overjoyed because this out-of-the-ordinary reaction came from an out-of-the-ordinary visit. Because this wasn't just cousin Mary visiting as I'm sure had happened in the past. But this was Mary, the mother of the Lord, visiting. And if the mother of the Lord is visiting, then this too, so is the Lord, the Lord within her. The Almighty, the one without beginning or end, the all-present and all-knowing, creator, protector, preserver of all, the Lord who spoke to Moses from the burning bush and the one who is David's son, yet also David's Lord, is now a tiny baby boy in Mary's womb and in the house of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And so in our text, it would seem that John the Baptist is already starting to fulfill his role as the forerunner of Christ. For before Mary can tell Elizabeth what's happened to her, John leaps for joy. He knows. 
So even before he has a voice, he's crying out and pointing to the one who is greater than he. He's already sharing the good news with joy. And filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth knows it too. She knows it as well, and she is filled with joy because of that. And so she exclaims, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed. Not because of who Mary is, but because wherever the Lord is, there is blessing. Just ask the shepherds and the wise, the blind and the deaf, the lepers and the outcasts. Even those who Jesus would speak harshly to in order to shake them out of their sins and turn them back to God. Jesus comes to bless. And where he is, there is most certainly blessing. And the same is true for us as well. But then we're told in our text that Elizabeth asked the all-important question. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? It's the all-important question because the answer tells us why Christmas is so important. It's the answer, sadly, many are missing in their celebrations of Christmas. So why did Jesus come for Elizabeth? It was for the very same reason the Lord comes to us still today. To forgive us our sin, to save us from death, and to raise us to new and eternal life. And he has. He has done that. For as the writer to Hebrews tells us, Jesus abolishes the first, that is the sacrifice of the, of the Old Testament, in order to establish the second, his own, the fulfillment. And by that, we have been sanctified, set aside, made holy, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. We have been. It's a done deal, signed, sealed, and delivered by that body and blood of Jesus Christ, and delivered to us, delivered to us now in word, in absolution, baptism, and the Lord's Supper, those places where he puts this gift of life for us today, that just as Jesus came to Elizabeth hidden in the womb of his mother, so he might come to us today hidden in these means of grace. And they give us that same leaping joy, Christmas joy, birth of the Lord joy, forgiveness joy. For Elizabeth concludes, blessed is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. But not just Mary. That same blessing is for all who believe. It's for you who believe. That our souls too might magnify the Lord with Mary, with Elizabeth, and John. For in the little town of Bethlehem, too small to be among the clans of Judah, but not too small for God, our ruler, shepherd, savior, giver of lasting joy, was born. And so blessed are you. Blessed are you, whether or not your family gets along when you're all packed together in the same house, whether or not you get the perfect gift or any gifts at all, whether or not you even feel joyful 
at this time of year. For many people don't. None of that truly matters. None of that is what makes or breaks Christmas. Blessed are you who believe. Blessed are you who have been filled with the Holy Spirit in your baptism, whose ears are filled with his word, whose mouths are filled with the body and blood of Jesus at his altar. Blessed are you who hear and believe that your sin is forgiven. Blessed are you, for the Lord has come to you. He has come to you that you might have joy in him. And that joy, that Christmas joy is infectious. What a wonderful blessing to know that Christ is born for us. That he is the fulfillment and all of God's promises will come true. Forgiveness, life, and salvation. We know it will happen. We know it's ours. And so we rejoice. No matter what outside circumstances there are, we rejoice. Consider the story of a young man. He was sick and puny as a baby, and he remained frail and delicate, delicate all his days. And later, as a pastor, his maladies were so severe that he couldn't serve his growing congregation. Instead, he wrote them letters filled with hope and enduring joy. Even though his body was frail, his spirit soared. He once had complained about the harsh and uncouth hymn texts of his day. So someone challenged him to write one better. And that he did. But not just one. He wrote over 600 hymns, mostly hymns of praise. And when his health finally broke in 1748, he left one of the most remarkable collections of hymns the world has ever known. His name, Isaac Watts. And his contribution to this Christmas season is probably the most sung of all the Christmas hymns, Joy to the World. Could Isaac Watts have written so if his life had been easy? I don't know. But in the midst of his challenges, in the midst of everything that he had to go through, his heart and soul leapt for joy because it was permeated by Jesus Christ. It was founded on Christ and his promises. And he is always faithful to his promises. And so we can have that very same joy too, no matter what is going on around us. And what a blessing that is this Christmas season to be able to share that joy with others. To share the joy that is not just for us, but for the entire world. The good news of a Savior born for the world.